This week on Totally Biased Media, we talk Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We play the Price is Right with nerd garbage. Jackson explains class warfare and more. Stay tuned for the newest episode of TBM. I'm Jackson Walker, but I don't condone putting wood planks in plastic bags. I'm Jason Simmons, and I'm back. I'm a Jordan dinosaur Walker. story. I'm Jordan Walkup, and I can't get no satisfaction. Ladies and gentlemen, Marvel has done it again. The Falcon, the Winter Soldier, they're here. Six whole episodes of their own show. And we've watched it, and we're going to tell you about it. We've got a star-studded cast of both new and returning characters. Up first, you got Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson, forward slash, The Falcon. Best known for his role of losing a rap battle to a white guy in 8 Mile. You've got Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes, or The Winter Soldier. And he's best known for playing Hayden Panettiere's boyfriend in the Wake Up Call music video. You got Wyatt Russell up in here as the new character, John Walker, or Captain America. Or U.S. Agent. That's a spoiler. We can't get is into it, that. Is it a spoiler? <laughs> it's an open spoiler. Yeah. Everyone was calling him that from the first episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we got John Walker. Captain America, and Wyatt Russell, he's best known for being Kurt Russell's son, and Aaron Kellyman as Carly Morgenthau, who's pretty new in the world of acting, so I'm not going to give her a hard time about weird roles she's taken in the past. We've also got a couple of returning characters that play some slightly smaller roles, like we got Daniel Bruhl back as Baron Zemo. Florence Kosumba back as Io, and Emily Van Camp back as Sharon Carter or Agent 13. So, Jackson, who are Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and how do we get to this point? So, the Falcon. He is introduced in good old Captain America Winter Soldier. He was in the Air Force, and he was selected to help train for a specially developed flight pack. Uh, that That's his wings. And then Captain America uh, runs into him uh, on his left uh, in DC. And then later in the movie, he recruits him to help him take down Hydra. You know, then he becomes a member of the Avengers in Age of Ultron. He does some stuff with them, gets snapped, comes back. Loses a fight to Ant-Man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then... Bucky Barnes, Winter Soldier, is introduced in Captain America First Avenger. He, you know, he's Captain America's best friend. He falls off a train and dies, but then he's not actually dead, and now he's the Winter Soldier in Captain America, uh... Ooh, ooh, what's it called? Which one is Cap- Which one is Winter Soldier the Winter Soldier in? <laughs> um, you took a little too long to make that joke, but fine, yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah, I know I messed up. <laughs> 
and uh you know he comes back and with your soldier um he's a bad guy for most of the movie and being mind controlled until he kind of snaps out of his mind control at the end and then he kind of goes into hiding for a while until civil war where captain america finally finds him he gets framed for killing a bunch of people namely king t'chaka of wakanda and that sends t'challa on a rampage to kill him then because of all the things that have happened because of Winter Soldier being, you know, the Winter Soldier. He goes into a cryopod thing at the end of the movie and doesn't come back until Infinity War and then gets snapped at the end of the movie. So basically, both good friends of Steve at different points in his life are now both, uh, they have both been snapped and then brought back five years later, and they're sort of both in the wreckage of the world after losing half of humanity, and then getting half of humanity back all of a sudden. Okay, Jason, why don't you kick us off with the reviews? What'd you think? I mean, I really enjoyed some parts of it. Um, Particularly, there's a lot of good character moments with Winter Soldier. I'm a really big Winter Soldier fan, uh, at least Mm -hmm. in the MCU. I haven't read too, too many of the comics, but... I just kind of find him to be the, one of the characters that has the most heart to him. And, you know, tragic backstories are always fun. Yay, tragedy. There, there's a lot of really good scenes, uh, especially in the first and kind of the final episode, where it's kind of revolving around him trying to make amends for the stuff he did as the Winter Soldier that he didn't really have a choice for, but, you know, he's still responsible for, <laughs> even if he didn't choose to make those actions. I thought those were really powerful scenes. I really liked the scenes with the Falcon kind of standing up for what he believes in. I mean, I feel like they spent a lot of time with the Falcon trying to show that he has a lot of the same values that Steve Rogers had to try to show like he wasn't just picked to be the next Captain America because Steve Rogers was a good friend with him. He was picked because Steve Rogers saw the best of America or the best of humanity in him, you know? Yeah. And I think there was, when this show, I guess, I actually going back further than that, at the end of uh, Endgame, when Steve gives the shield to Sam, there there was a lot of people that had some gripes with that, saying it should have gone to Bucky, or that, you know, it's, it'd be more like the comics if it went to Winter Soldier first, and... On one hand, I get people want it to be as much like the comics as possible, or people think they want it to be as much like the comics as possible, but I just recently went back and rewatched Captain America the Winter Soldier, and literally from the first time they meet, Sam and Steve have this really significant bond, and it is taken to the level where Sam drops everything to help Steve on so many different occasions. Especially considering he was only doing it because he appreciated who Steve was. He didn't do it because he wanted to be an Avenger or wanted to be a superhero. He did it because he liked what Steve stood for and he agreed with those principles and wanted to carry those out himself. And he goes to such incredible lengths to follow through on that in not only the movie, but extended all the way through the series right up until the very end. Yeah, and I I think it's really obvious that they're trying to establish that, you know, this is the next Captain America, like I said, and like you were were saying, because, I mean, you have all these scenes where everyone around him is wanting to either take a violent route 
or is just telling him that he's making bad decisions. And on the one hand, you know, he listens to those people. He kind of weighs out their opinions, but he still always does what he thinks is right. Uh, I mean, specifically in the scene, you know, where he's talking to Carly. Uh, I don't want to get too spoilery, but uh, when, when he's talking to Carly and he's trying to talk her down from, you know, being a terrorist, essentially, <laughs> um, and trying to be like, you know, there's a better way to do this when everyone around him is trying to be like, we need to kill these people now. Or when he's talking to Isaiah and Isaiah's like, there should never be a black Captain America or they would never let there be a black Captain America. You know, he listens, he understands the viewpoints, but he still does what he think is what he thinks is right in the end of the day. And I liked all those scenes. I thought those were fun. Jackson, what are your initial thoughts? I think the thing that I really liked about this show is that it managed to keep everything that is great about the MCU and then put it into a TV show without it losing anything that made the movies already what they were. Like, the characters mm-hmm. are well-developed, which is already partly due to the fact that they're previous characters, they're not new, so not you don't have to add any backstory or anything to it. And one thing they do better than I would say, like, some sequel movies do is they make me care about these characters a lot more. Like, up until this movie, uh, sorry, show, I, I did not really have any thoughts towards Falcon or Winter Soldier, but after really getting to get into their character and really learn more about them, they're probably some of the best characters in the entire MCU. Yeah, I think seeing them fleshed out in a way that only a TV show can really do was incredibly beneficial. Because you're not going to have that level of exposition in a movie, regardless of the length of the movie, even if it's directed by Zack Snyder. Whereas this, they could touch on what their living conditions are like, who the people they see on a daily basis are. I mean, you even get to see some of Bucky's therapy, which plays a pretty big role in the story. Those are things you can't really address on that level in one confined movie. But since you're spreading this out over six episodes... You have a lot more time to sort of play with the characters, show not only who they are, but what their motivations are and how that translates between their personal and superhero lives. And I think across the board, it does that incredibly well. Not always as balanced as it should be. And I think that this show leans much more heavily on Sam and his story than it does on Bucky's. But I still think both get a good bit of time to show who they are. Yeah, I mean, I've been really excited for the show basically since it was announced. I do have to say I was hoping to see a little bit more of the Winter Soldier. I mean, if I could make a change to the show, I would probably make it, you know, one or two episodes longer for a variety of reasons. But primary among those would just be to kind of flesh out Bucky's part of the story a little bit more. Yeah, I was really hoping we'd see a little more of him in Wakanda or him just prior to Infinity War altogether. And there is one very significant scene that addresses that, dealing with his previous mind control and how that was addressed that I thought was really cool and really had a lot of power to it, but it wasn't really touched on like it should have been. That's one of, (laughs) I have three very explicit things I didn't like about this show. That's the only like really significant one, I think, is the fact that I just wanted more of the Winter Soldier. The other two, let me know what you guys think about these. The other two are that the first episode doesn't really establish what the show is 
and it felt more like it should have just been like a prologue onto the second episode instead of its own separate thing, especially considering I think the show needed more of the overarching conflict anyways. Yeah, I think if the show, like I said, if it, if it had been two episodes longer, I would have liked the first episode a lot more. Uh, I feel like the first episode wasn't really supposed to establish the situation that they're in so much as kind of establish where the characters are now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that necessarily took a full 45 minutes or whatever. I think that that could have been, I think that could have been the first 15 or 20 minutes of another episode instead of being its own thing. And because of that, it kind of, I was a little weary about the show as a whole. Like, it's not that I didn't like the first episode. It's just, it felt very cliche, action, superhero movie. And the show really isn't that. Like, it has those big superhero moments, but there is a lot more heart and motivation and a a much clearer message to this than there is other superhero stories well yeah but i I think like the part of the episode that i liked the most was the parts with bucky and you don't really see a lot of solo bucky scenes throughout the rest of the series whereas the stuff with the falcon was just he's flying around he's having a good time (laughs) Uh, you know he's fighting terrorists or something (laughs) but bucky's got this more interesting thing going on where he's you know uh I don't know if he's under house arrest. It's not house arrest, but he's being kept tracks of by the government. Mm-hmm. He's going to therapy. He's, uh, you know, hanging out with people that he's wronged in the past. And like like I said earlier, I just really enjoyed those scenes. I thought those were really interesting. I would have liked to have seen more of them throughout the rest of the show. Because I... Yeah. I, the, the second episode has a little bit of it, but... Uh, after the second episode you don't really see anything like that until the very end of the show right honestly john walker probably has a bigger focus than bucky does i do really like john walker i thought oh yeah yeah he's a very good character and wyatt russell really knocks real out of the park but it does seem weird considering he only got chosen because he looks like he does <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. blonde hair blue eyed man it's just it's weird to me that the sort of villain but also not villain of the show has more importance than one of the title characters yeah he doesn't have as much screen time necessarily as winter soldier but i think he contributes more to the overarching plot which is a disservice to the winter soldier as a character now my other con is one thing I am incredibly inflicted on because I enjoyed it in the moment, but don't necessarily like the implications on the story. And that is the character Baron Zemo. I love Zemo. <laughs> Same. I think I think Daniel Brühl does an awesome job as the character. I think that he has this perfect balance of being this up-class serious guy but still being ruthless and incredibly yeah like menacing and threatening villain what i don't love is how much of his presence on this show was just being comic relief like he is there's a lot of scenes where he is awkward and weird and acts out of character or talks about things that aren't relevant to the plot and it was just it doesn't feel right because of how evil of a character he has been established as in the Civil War movie. I just, 
I don't get it. I can't quite get my head wrapped around him as a character. Yeah, and I also feel like a, a lot of his character is based around being conniving, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of working in the shadows. He doesn't really do that too much in this movie. Nah, nah. I mean, like, the only thing he really does that I, I don't know if they really find out about is when he, you know, uh, destroys those vials of the serum. Yeah. Uh, like, that was really the only thing where it felt like, yeah, he did this for himself. Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, on, on the other hand, I feel like if Falcon found him or the Winter Soldier, probably would have done the same thing anyways. <laughs> yeah. Jackson, what is your take on our new light on Zemo? Personally, he was probably one of my favorite characters in the entire show. Just because it's interesting for the MCU to put so much of a focus on a villain in a hero-like role. Because the difference is between like him and Loki. A lot of the hero stuff Loki was doing was for his own motivations. But there's still a good bit of stuff that Zemo is doing that like you know that the he wants the same thing as the good guys but the moment that it's over he's going to go back to being evil so i think it's very interesting to see a character like that get so much spotlight i mean it's worth mentioning he wants the same thing as the good guys to a point yeah i mean he has his own separate stuff he wants which is just destroying all the super soldiers whereas everyone else involved except for i think falcon and the winter soldier themselves wants more super soldiers right but i i mean like he's not necessarily evil beyond that i mean like that's his whole evil plan is just destroying all the super soldiers yeah right his his motivations stop and start with superheroes should not have this presence they do on the world and it's honestly a pretty noble intention he of course acts on it evilly but but like he he is very much driven by that one ideal and it's not a terrible ideal it's just that he does some terrible things to get there more in civil war than in this show yeah. in civil war i mean when he realizes that his plan failed his first reaction was to kill himself like he doesn't want anything beyond getting rid of superheroes essentially right he sees his life as over because his wife and child died yeah 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 that's all he had yeah those are pretty much my only three big complaints the lack of winter soldier the weird beginning and uh zemo's role now on to the pros um basically everything else about the show (laughs) like this Above all else, this show is just incredibly cool. They do some really, really interesting things with both the characters and the world. There are some really unique takes. Specifically, one is that they introduce a character named Isaiah, who was a super soldier uh, post-World War II. And as a black man who was experimented on by the U.S. government... It gets into some pretty deep things pretty quickly. And personally, I loved everything about the way they portrayed Isaiah's character. I think he was he was incredibly thorough, realistic. He felt grounded in everything that happened to him. He was a really good motivating factor for Sam. But it also wasn't 
Sam didn't have to abandon his ideals just to appease this guy that he looked up to. Like, everything they did with Isaiah and his relationship with Sam was just so smart, in my opinion. And I think it added a an emotional level to the show that really hit me hard. Like, I got really choked up in that last episode when they really hit home exactly what this was all building towards for him. Uh, I don't know. I I like I liked him throughout the show. I feel like the way that they kind of wrapped up his story at the end was kind of lame. Just, uh, I mean, look, I'll, I'll get into the spoilers a little bit. We can put, like, either a tag on it or, uh, or something. But, like, the fact that they just give him a statue at the end that's, like, this is what Isaiah did, and these are the people he helped. But, first off, <laughs> was that, like, the back of the museum? <laughs> And second, it was just him, and I don't, I didn't get the feeling from most of the interactions between them that he just wanted a statue or recognition, you know? I I feel like what he really would have wanted would have been something more along the lines of the government somehow being held accountable for it. Not like, well, not like he wants money, but like, the government should have to, you know, offer some kind of explanation or something not necessarily an explanation like i know that wouldn't be enough but i don't know he just seemed kind of appeased by getting a statue when i feel like his anger should have been a lot deeper than that and the way he acted throughout the show made it seem like the anger was a lot deeper than that well i don't think it's i don't think that his excitement or him finally feeling relieved about this had anything to do with the statue or the being part of the captain america story at all I I interpret that more as people are finally not covering this up. So at the bare minimum, people are finally paying attention to what happened and they're willing to accept there were horrible, horrible things done to people like Isaiah in just just because of the color of his skin. And that's a tragedy that people were, you know, blissfully ignoring or just totally ignorant that that was even a possibility and I think that this was just a sign that at the bare minimum, we are working towards making sure that isn't the case anymore. That this story is at least public and you do not have to hide your face anymore because you did what was best for your country. Like, I thought this was just more a sign that the road ahead is a much better one than where you've been. I, I guess. It just felt a little too symbolic. Whereas I feel... I felt during most of the stuff that they like most of the conversations that they had between him that he didn't really want symbolism he wanted action and like and i think for me i just i personally see this as more a promise that action will be taken more than just well let's throw him a statue so he doesn't worry about it anymore yeah that that makes sense it's just uh i guess i didn't i don't know when i was watching it i didn't really think of it that way another thing that i can't really get too into because it's spoilers for the show is there are things that happen in the end of the show that make Isaiah more hopeful for the future, uh, but I can't really get into them without giving away spoilers. <laughs> I mean, uh, we're well past that. Uh, but this is big. I, think- I mean, I guess this isn't a big spoiler because I guess some people saw it coming, but you know, because like in the end, uh, Falcon becomes Captain America, and one of the main things that Isaiah tells falcon time and time over again is that the country would never let a black man be captain america and i think for isaiah to see 
a black man become Captain America is a good way of showing, like, I don't, I don't really know the correct words or terminology they use, but, like, to show that there is hope for the future for black citizens. I think that so much of this show is trying to emphasize this idea that just because some laws were changed 50 years ago doesn't mean that racism was just eradicated, as a lot of people like to pretend it was. There is a much bigger sense of justice still needs to be done, and that needs to be done on several fronts. An important one is to have an iconic hero like Captain America that can represent a new group of people that has never been represented by a hero like him in the past. And I think that this story delivers on that message at every turn. I think everything is very thorough, very thoughtful. Everything about Sam's progression and his change in attitude about the title of Captain America, I think, felt very authentic, very natural, and just across the board becomes... He he goes from being a dedicated sidekick to a true honest-to-God superhero over the course of this show. And I think it is just such a cool transition to watch happen. Which, you know, that that kind of brings me to another complaint about Winter Soldier. is because, like, Falcon, by the end of the show, does feel like his own superhero. He is no longer a sidekick. Winter Soldier still feels like he's Captain America's sidekick. And I don't really like that that was not fixed by the end of the show. I kind of feel that, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. He's basically the original sidekick, though. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Um, if the first time we saw Falcon was he decided he needed to beat Captain America in a fight, maybe <laughs> he wouldn't have ever felt like a sidekick. True, true. I think the real message of the MCU is that everyone just needs to assert dominance over everyone else all the time. <laughs> you know, something I do want to mention is just the first episode, Don Cheadle's there. Oh yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. Just there though, he doesn't really do anything. Yeah, he doesn't do anything. He just he talks to Sam for a few minutes, and then he's like, <laughs> then he just leaves. Then all right, I'm out. I expected him to like at least show up occasionally in the story. <laughs> yeah, he's literally only there for maybe ten minutes. Yeah, his appearance in the show weird choice. was so unimportant that I completely forgot about that until now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was excited when I saw him. I was like, uh, uh, are we going to get some information for Armor Wars here? Or are we going to get some news about that upcoming Captain Planet reboot? (laughs) Yeah. I don't honestly believe that Armor Wars is a real show that's going to happen. I mean, maybe if Disney Plus wants to throw us a bone with some, like, concept art or a plot summary or something... But as of right now, I think that Armor Wars is just a figment of our collective imaginations. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Iron Man destroyed all of his armor at the end of Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3. Yeah. I mean, clearly it's all gone. What else could there be? I mean, I will say, Iron- between um, Infinity War and Endgame, he does make 35 Between Infinity War and Endgame? Between Infinity War and Endgame? He's hanging out in space, bud. He's not doing anything. He's hanging out in space for the first suffocating month after Infinity War happens. The other, the other four years and eleven months between those movies, he's making thirty-five other suits and a baby. 
Uh, I mean, we didn't really talk about John Walker at all, and I really, There's, I, I oh, really enjoyed yeah, him. Um, yeah, definitely need to get into that. I mean, he was really just kind of a warning for you can't just put anybody in the place of Captain America just because right. he's a distinguished soldier or he looks the same. Those aren't the things that make Captain America yeah. Captain America. Which you know, I was right. speaking to Jordan about this yesterday. The main thing that separates them, uh, John Walker and Steve Rogers, they both want to be good people and help people. The difference is John Walker. John Walker is he mentally lets, unwell. Yeah, that and well, yes. he lets his personal problems get in the way of making the world a better place, while Steve Rogers did not. And the one time he does that, the Avengers break up because of it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that John Walker's bigger issue is that he was a soldier. His first reaction in any situation was to be a soldier and destroy yep. the threat. Whereas being Captain America is about being more than just a weapon. I think that is something John Walker wanted to do, but because of his military history, he was just so used to that and that was so ingrained into his brain that he didn't really know another way to function. And a big part of it was probably that he saw Captain America as being like a public figure more than a soldier. He didn't really consider the implications of actually getting into the fight. And that Captain America had restraint even in his most dangerous moments. Um, in Captain America the Winter Soldier, he is in a one-on-one -on -one fight against a terrorist and when the terrorist is just like, hey, that shield puts you in an advantage, Captain America puts away the shield and fights him, like, one-on-one, -on -one, bare fist. Like, C Captain America had values, even in moments where having those values was incredibly dangerous for all parties involved. <laughs> you know, something else I want to mention from Captain America the Winter Soldier is, uh, Batroc? They brought him back? Why? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It did feel like they didn't do nearly enough with that for how much trouble it must have been to get that character back into the mix. He also still does not do enough leaping. The heck, He's Marvel. the worst leaper I've ever seen. But anyways, John Walker. I think he is, across the board, one of the best anti-heroes, I guess you could say. And I, I think just including him in the in the mix at all was just incredibly bold on Marvel's part because he is a former soldier who has a lot of regrets about some actions he had to make while he was deployed. He has clearly some kind of trauma he is trying to suppress, which is pretty clearly put at the feet of the government. And he is shown as this, this is what America is type hero. Like, we all fight like this guy. And he even has his own reservations about that mentality. But he still has to go to some pretty powerful extremes to be what he thinks Captain America is. And that leads him down some dark roads. <laughs> um, well, I think the primary issue... And the thing that really kind of compromised his morals the most is, you know, when he was in, I think they said he was in Afghanistan, they don't really talk too much about what he did, but you can clearly tell that, like, 
on one hand, he regrets his actions, but on the other hand, he was given medals and kind of lauded for his actions. I I think it kind of gets into, like, a big thing with soldiers where, you know, a lot of the things that soldiers do out on the battlefield probably feels wrong, and then immediately being told (laughs) that you did perfectly or you're what all soldiers should aspire to do or aspire to be based on something that you didn't want to do. I I mean, I think that's a pretty heavy thing to kind of get into in a TV show, especially one based on comic books. They made some really big swings with their messaging regarding uh, military and PTSD and how it impacts things like the world of superheroes. And I, I think it was all done very tastefully with not a ton of reservations. I think they still pulled some punches they didn't want to get too aggressive about it, but I think it was all done like extremely well, which I wasn't really expecting this time around. I mean, I wasn't really expecting Walker to have the type of role that he does in the show at all, but when I saw like how involved he was, I was like hooked on him as a character right away. And what were you, what were you trying to say, Jackson? Uh, one of the things that they talk about at that sort of interview at the beginning of the show when in the football stadium right after he becomes Captain America is one of the reasons he was chosen to be Captain America is because he is like the most medal of valor or whatever in the MCU now and I think that kind of plays more into his whole like he knows what he's doing because he's a good soldier thing that really corrupts like his actions throughout the show yeah I I Mm -hmm. think that uh, this is gonna this might sound rough but i i think that something they really wanted to hit on with john walker was the things that make you a good soldier don't make you a good person mm-hmm. yeah and being captain america is about more than being a good soldier it's about being both a good soldier and a good person and knowing when you need to be a good person more than you need to be a soldier also he gets that cool outfit at the very end <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then there's that stupid scene uh where a character is just like you're no longer captain america you're the u.s agent and i think there's a total of three of those times in the entire show where they have stupid moments like that i just don't i'm confused why they got julia louise dreyfus for that dreyfus weird casting in my opinion yeah it'll be interesting to see if she appears again later well apparently she was supposed to be introduced in black widow but um that's not out yet and may not be coming out. I don't know. <laughs> Black Widow is also, uh, I refuse to accept it as real until I can watch it. <laughs> okay, well, I think that just about sums up our, our thoughts on, on the show overall. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we are going to come back and read some reviews by some of the professional critics of the world. <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Jordan from Totally Biased Media, here to tell you that a show being political isn't a bad thing, and if you're a white person who only goes to shows and movies for escapism, you have literally nothing to escape from. Just because you see the concerns of racial minorities when you scroll Facebook doesn't mean that you're in the trenches of what racism is and means for the lives of others. If you shrug off all media that's political, you're inherently bigoted. Okay, bye. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. 
And I am proud to announce we are about to introduce our first official segment. Hooray! I hate it. This is a little game that I like to call Revenge of the Nerd Culture. So, what Revenge of the Nerd Culture is. Well, okay, let me back up. Let me back up. We know two things about nerds. One, they're delicious. Delicious. (laughs) Two, they come in several different flavors. Three, they come in a little box. Anyways, nerds, misogyny, and we'll pay gratuitous amounts of money for items that are just tangentially related to video games they like. So, what I have done is scoured the internet for the weirdest and wildest nerdy things that are on sale out there. What I'm going to do is tell you the description And I want you to tell me how much this is being sold for on the internet. So anyways, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the description for something. And then I want you guys to tell me how much you think this is being sold for on the internet. This first item is a GameCube monitor. (laughs) This is a device which you can hook up to your GameCube and it serves as a uh, backlit screen, which you can play your GameCube on. All right, I'm guessing original release price, $75. Current price, $300. Uh, I'm going to put it around $200. Is this price is right rules? <laughs> Everything is price is right rules. <laughs> Jason, you're pretty dang close with the original price. It was retailed at $100 when this released 20 years ago. However, it is now being sold on eBay for... Hey, it's hard to be so good at guessing numbers, but... Oh, this is about to get so much wilder. So this next item is a Resident Evil 4 PS2 chainsaw controller. This is brand new, unopened. Alright, once again, original release price, it came with the game. So I'm thinking... 150 if they're selling it now it's a collector's item and it's probably going for uh, i'm gonna guess 500 dollars. that's what i was gonna guess this is being sold and mind you i checked it has been sold at this price in the past this is being sold for one thousand dollars it's not even a good controller though yeah yeah, it is mechanical garbage. Like, you would never be able to use would, this it, to so actually play. It's, it's shaped like a chainsaw, <laughs> which is dumb. It's yeah, not even a good yeah. controller for that game, though. No. Because it was for no, Resident not, Evil not 4, at all. I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everything about this is bad and will cost you $1,000. And again, has been sold at this price by the same seller. <laughs> so... The last item, now this is where it gets especially crazy. Now, I'm sure most of you are familiar with the Amiibo craze. Mm. So these are little figurines that interact with Nintendo games in some fashion. And they make them for every game imaginable. And they are collector's items. They generally sell for quite a bit of money. So this is a Monster Hunter Stories Rathian Amiibo, which has a misprint on one of its two wings. 
It originally retailed at $19.99. How much do you think this is selling for on eBay right now? With a misprint, at least $5,000. But I'm going to guess up to (laughs) $7,500. I was just going to go for a simple uh, $2,500. Actually, you both swung way the wrong direction on this one. This is currently selling for $1,238.04. I do not know where the four cents came from. Is it? Yeah, this is an amiibo that came out at $20 and is now being sold for $1,200 because it is bad. Look, the, the misprint, that creates value. There's even fewer of those than there are correctly printed ones. So Yeah. Yeah. It's funny with Amiibos because there are some cool ones that have been printed incorrectly. Like, for example, you can get ones of like Fire Emblem characters that have a sword in each hand instead of just one like they're supposed to. But there's also one I saw listed where like it was Luigi, but one of his hands was missing and it was selling for like $500. <laughs> I don't really get why they went up in price so quickly. I mean, usually for collector stuff like this, it takes a few years, but uh, Amiibos, people go crazy for him. Yeah, yeah. And Nintendo does notoriously only produce a very, very small number of them just to drive up demand. Yeah, I never got I mean, my Joker Amiibo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rest in peace. Anyways, that does it for our first episode of Revenge of the Nerd Culture. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so now that we've made it through all of our weird nerd paraphernalia, let's get on to what some of the critics are saying about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So it's worth mentioning, I did watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier on the GameCube screen. Mm. Do you think that would have had any effect on my enjoyment? I think across the board would have made it better. Yeah, I was planning on giving it a 15 out of 10. Yeah. Um, it, it, it did kind of suck that there were still bars on the top and bottom when I was using such a small screen, but I think it really made up for it with the uh, 32-bit color, you know? Okay, so this first review is by David Zurawick of the Boston Sun, and he says... This is not a highly engaging action-adventure series about who will be the next Captain America superhero. It is also an informed discussion about symbolism, race, American history, heroism, and image. That's not really a review. That's just a, just a statement. <laughs> well, yeah. But, like, I think that that sort of highlights something that is hard to explain about this show. Because... It's actually a surprisingly small percentage of it is them out doing superhero things. A lot of it is fixing either, a boat. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it is fixing a boat. A lot of it is Sam actively trying to talk the main antagonist down from her plans, and a lot of it is just the prepping to avoid a big fight. And about seven minutes of it is the Falcon going to a bank and applying for a loan. I just want to remind everyone, there is, if you've been waiting for that that scene where you get to see an Avenger go to the bank and apply for a loan, look no further than Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> it's got yeah. it. Yep. In the very first episode of all things. Uh, this might be the only scene we ever get of an Avenger applying for a bank loan. And uh, look, I don't want to spoil it, but 
the results may shock you. Okay, now Jackson, I want your take specifically on this next one. I don't know why, I just decided that. All right. But this next review is by Jonathan Roberts at The New Paper. And he says, It is less of a treasure hunt than WandaVision, but could deliver some game-changing moments for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate. There's a... Because, like, a big focus of WandaVision is, uh, you know, Wanda kind of... I I mean, I guess we don't really know. Uh, She seems to be evil by the end. Which could have a pretty big effect, and there's a lot going on to get to that. You know, you think Mephesto's there the whole time, then he's not. It's not as apparent the stuff that is being set up for the future, kind of, in Falcon Winter Soldier. But I do want to remind you, Hydra hasn't really been a thing since, uh, I guess, the very beginning of Age of Ultron. But with Madame Hydra being in it now... That does set some stuff up for future things in the MCU. Let's get on to the most important review that I'm going to be reading today. And this is by uh, Mr. Max D, uh, a Rotten Tomatoes user. He gave the show one out of five stars. He said, I kept hoping I'd like, and it never happened. Just hated the whole story of passing the shield and couldn't get on board. Didn't like the anti-white lying propaganda that U.S. Army only experimented on blacks. There were many more whites at Bikini Atoll than any other race. Soldiers are property of the U.S. government regardless. Steve Rogers is Captain America, and he's a person, not an office or a position. So, I have some complaints about this review. (laughs) I think, um... I, I at least on some level agree with the very last part of that, where he says... Steve Rogers is Captain America and he's a person, not an officer position. Yeah. Um the line right before it is might That's be one rough. of the worst things I've seen in a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's okay that these soldiers were experimented on. They're soldiers. That means they're property of the US government. Yeah. And also, it's fine that <laughs> there were a lot of black people experimented on. Uh, because there were also white people too, so like you know what what can you do? Um, yeah, it's it's also weird because like I think for most of what I've seen, people have been really happy with this series. Like I've most everything I've read has been pretty positive, other than some reviews of the final episode that weren't great. But I have definitely seen some people come out of the woodshed. And prove that uh, Isaiah wasn't wrong. There are some people that wouldn't accept a black Captain America. Um, and it's rough to read. So I mean, we've, yeah. we've been seeing this, at least in the comics, for a few years at this point. I mean, I think... I want to think Falcon became Captain America like almost five years ago. In, in the comics, at least. It was immediately post-Captain uh, America the Winter Soldier. Yeah. So it's been a while. You get used to it. Um, You know, there is one point in that review. He says, didn't like the anti-white lying propaganda that U.S. Army only experimented on blacks. Um, Yeah, well, first off, we've seen them experiment on white people in Captain America, the first Avenger. (laughs) Yeah. No one's saying that didn't happen, but two things can happen and both be bad. (laughs) Yeah. And a big part of it that is actually a major theme in the show is yes those same experiments were done on steve and isaiah but steve was treated as a hero 
and one of them was treated as a literal criminal who should be locked away for the rest of their life. That is absurd to come to this conclusion from that. And I know there are going to be people that watch this show that hear a monologue at the end of the show and think, well, this is just propaganda. This is just trying to, you know, this is just proving a point that actually some black people do struggle because of the color of their skin. And like, yeah. Anybody that comments anything about the SJWs will get immediately banned. Just want to make that clear. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But anyways, uh, Max D, I don't know who you are. I'm not a fan. We probably would not get along if we met, but just wanted to say thank you for supplying this review (laughs) for us to talk about on our podcast, which you were not aware of and will never listen to. Okay, so we've heard from uh, the critics and Max D. (laughs) Um, Jackson, give me your pros and cons and your final score. So pros um both groups of villains are extremely good and easy to understand and being able to understand a villain and sympathize with them really makes them better villains like loki it really fleshes out characters uh falcon and winter soldier a good bit more not so much with winter soldier would have liked to see more with him it sets up some interesting stuff for the future really good fight scenes just an overall really good story throughout the entire thing. So I, I'd i give it a 9 out of 10. And I think it would probably be a 10 out of 10 if Bucky would have had a better role. That's really my only main complaint with the entire thing. <laughs> Jason, what you got? I really liked it. You know, I love the stuff that they did with Falcon and John Walker or, you know, the new Captain America. I really enjoyed the stuff with Carly Morgenthau as well. I thought she was a pretty compelling villain. I did think that, you know, some of the stuff she did was a a little rough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she, she does some messed up stuff. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I mean, I guess it's pretty realistic from what I've actually heard about terrorists and how they kind of justify all of their actions by, you know, pointing out that, you know, they're doing it for the right reasons. But at the end of the day... She's still a terrorist. But I, I, I found her really compelling as a character. I thought it was really fun to watch a lot of her interactions with Falcon as well. Eh, not fu- I don't know if fun's the right word, word to use, but it was really... <laughs> yeah. It, it was partially unsettling and partially intriguing, I guess. Mm-hmm. I thought it did really well of kind of balancing those scenes with the more action-packed scenes. I was still kind of let down that the final episode, more or less, was just a big fight. For most of it um but you know there were fewer <laughs> it was better than wandavision's finale at least because the fight scenes were more interesting than just throwing light at each other <laughs> um i liked all the characters i thought there were some really standout performances uh particularly you know i i really like daniel Bruhl. i think that his performance as zemo is really strong once again aaron kellyman as carly morgenthau is really strong performance um don Cheadle was there i love that guy <laughs> uh clay bennett as battlestar who was uh he was the new captain america's sidekick more or less i thought he did really well in most of his scenes and i really enjoyed kind of seeing their interactions with each other so yeah i'm gonna give it a don Cheadle out of 10 so that's uh that's a nine out of ten 
Yeah, I, I think that this show is exactly what I want superhero shows to be. And it's not to say that there aren't any weird choices or things that I didn't love about it, but I think it across the board shows exactly how cool of a character Falcon can be. I think it missteps just a little bit in trying to show off who Winter Soldier is. Um, the entire supporting cast is excellent, especially this decision to put so much on John Walker as the new Captain America I thought was really, really smart. There are some incredibly powerful moments between Sam and Isaiah that I think really elevate the whole show in a way that I wasn't expecting whatsoever. I genuinely enjoyed the show. I like I had a couple cons, but honestly, I think my biggest complaint is I just I didn't get more of it. Like I I want more of this show. Um so I'm gonna give it a nine point five. But anyways, I think like across the board this was this was a really, really cool show. I'm really glad that Marvel is putting so much into their Disney Plus shows. Looking forward to Loki in several weeks. I'm sure we will talk about it in depth when the time comes. We're going to get some Owen Wilson up in the mix here soon. Wow. Wow. Now, Jackson, what else have you been into? So, you know, you guys know I play way too much Destiny 2. It's come up. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh, they started their event, the Guardian Games, recently, which is just uh, class warfare. Um, it's not a bad event. The stuff you get to do in it is okay. It is just, it's boring. <laughs> I played it mm. enough to get the exotic uh, LMG for it. Got, played enough to get its catalyst, and then I didn't touch it again. And it's got like three more weeks to go. Man, I couldn't imagine something in Destiny being boring. <laughs> That's just hard to comprehend. <laughs> Who could have thought? Okay, Jason, what you got? Well, I've continued to play near Automata. Uh, and I'm having a really good time with that when it's not crashing. <laughs> um, yeah. The combat's really fun. Uh, I feel like it's going to get old eventually, sadly. <laughs> but, I mean, so far I found the story really compelling. Uh, you know, specifically the stuff with the machines, you know, seemingly gaining sentience. That's kind of a big plot in the story. Not really giving any spoilers on that. I think I'm like eight to 10 hours in at this point i haven't had a huge amount of time to play it and it keeps crashing and i lose progress so <laughs> but i'm really enjoying that uh i've also i finally picked up persona 5 strikers which is it's pretty good it's um the tutorial drags so much yeah it is yeah. so long it's almost <laughs> it's almost as bad as normal persona 5's tutorial in just how badly it drags I, like, I want to get to the interesting stuff where I make friends, but instead, it's just all these cutscenes where it's like, you already have friends. I'm hoping they'll do some DLC for Strikers, because uh, I'm really missing some characters. Specifically, my boy Akechi <laughs> and uh, Yoshizawa. It is weird they add two new characters in Persona 5 Royal and then don't bring them back for Strikers. <laughs> you do have a lot of people that aren't going back just to play Royal, yeah. so you know. You should, though. It's good. <laughs> hey, Atlas, I just beat Persona 5 like a month ago. If you release Persona 5 Royal on Switch, I will buy it today. <laughs> uh, and then another thing is, I watched the Paul Rudd movie, Our Idiot Brother. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, I just want to say, I love Paul Rudd. <sighs> okay. Well, I've been playing Fortnite. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't love it either, but I'm actually having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, honestly, the only reason I even, like, looked at the game was because they added um, some content from Horizon Zero Dawn, and I really love that game. So I went on and bought the skin, and I was like, okay, I'll play a couple games, and I have played so much of this game in the last week and a half, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's a better... It's a better time waste than time waster than I thought it was at first. So I've I decided to jump back in. I've really been liking it a lot more than I expected. But yeah, been playing that. It's it's fun. I don't think I'm gonna stick with it the whole season or anything because there's still like eight weeks left or whatever. But like for the moment, having a lot of fun with it. It's it's a game. So so if you haven't heard of it, Fortnite. <laughs> well. I believe that just about does it for episode 7 of the Totally Biased Media Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter, at TBMCast, on Instagram, at Totally Biased Media, or can send an email to totallybiasedmedia at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, uh, your reviews for upcoming games or movies or shows, or suggestions for things we should talk about, or your thoughts on the new bit which I'm sure I will hear plenty of criticisms from from my other co-hosts later. <laughs> uh, whatever it is that you think about Totally Biased Media, please tell us, and we will get back to you however we can. I've seen some great engagement on Reddit and a couple people on uh, Facebook, so that's been really cool. So like, keep up the opinions, keep telling us what you think, and we'll keep working with it as best we can. Anyways, I am Jordan Walkup. I'm Jason Simmons. And I'm Jackson Walkup. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. And and you just felt the bias. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Now, thank you, everybody. Goodbye. It's all right.